1: to Cullen, still in the centre circle this time inside the Charlton half, and the ball forward, is it going to be onside? Is Yarmolenko, <coughs> the a ball across, easy touched in by Haller, but the Charlton <clears throat> back four up in arms that Yarmolenko had to be offside, but nothing from the assistant on this near side.
2: Backwards to Yarmolenko, he's got two out left, and one of them is Snodgrass, who controls. Snodgrass crossing opportunity, swings towards the back post. Haller with the header, and it's 2-0.
1: Chong couldn't do anything about that. A lovely ball in from Snodgrass. hello at the back post just peeled off Perrington and heads beyond Amos to give West Ham a two-goal lead. Forward from West Ham trying to catch Lanzini's run and he's got there into the edge of the penalty area. Up against Barker, cuts one way, then the other. Barker, watch the A a Ball across to Anderson. Simple. Simple enough to finish it to the left of Amos because uh, both Oshelaga and Barker were trying to take the ball off Lanzini. Left Anderson all on his own, roughly around the penalty spot, and he's buried his chance. Swung towards Heller, but that's gone too far and above him, and not out for a and throw on his opposite side, and this near side, in fact. And there is the final whistle. That was the last uh, action of the uh, of the second round Carabao Cup tie. It's finished with West Ham United 3, Charlton Athletic 0, but it doesn't tell the full story of this game at all. Charlton had their chances noticeably from uh, from uh, in the second half, especially from Anike Williams. And, uh, it's, uh, it's a scoreline that doesn't reflect, I think, the, the performance and the effort that the Charlton side put in.
3: So good evening and welcome to Charlton Live. This is the Big Match Preview. My name is Louis Mendez. We'll be looking back at the cup game at West Ham. They just heard the goals from it there. We'll also be discussing on this week's show the fact that Paul Elliott has been granted an injunction to prevent the sale uh, from ESI to anyone else of the club. Just another spanner thrown into the works. We'll also look ahead to the game uh, with Doncaster and look back at that game in more detail uh, with West Ham on this week. So, so joining me to do just that, uh, first up is back from sunny Spain. Great to have you back in the country, Nathan Muller. How you doing, Nathan?
2: How's it going, boys? Yeah, How's it going?
3: not bad. You you must, you were out there for like two months. You must have one hell of a tan.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, I've sent you the I've sent you the white bits already, but. Um... <laughs> Don't, don't laugh, you, you laughed earlier. Um, no, yeah, no, it's good to be back. Um, I've, I've tried keeping up with the news today, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's nice to be back and seeing everything back in the circus, really, seeing it all kicking off.
3: Yeah, it has been it has been tough uh, keeping up with everything that's going on in the courts, and I should have mentioned actually at the top of the show, we've got Benji Nurick. Uh, journalist who's been covering the club recently uh, he was uh, online for that court session we're going to hear from him uh, in a few seconds time he'll explain a little bit more about what actually went on in that courtroom today uh, also join us on the phone mr tom wallin
4: how you doing tom not bad thank you how's your white bits uh better than nafes yeah i didn't realize that's what that photo was it was, <laughs> it was a bit confusing when it came through but that makes sense now <laughs> yeah well haunting haunting photograph and also joining us here
5: uh, is mr lewis cat how you doing lou yeah, good mate, thank you. Not yeah. a, a bit put off now thinking about everybody's white bits. I don't know why <laughs> that's the head the of, uh, of the show at the moment, white bits everywhere.
3: Yeah, I think we're all desperately trying to think of something less horrific than the running of Charlton Athletic Football Club. And at the moment, Nathan's white bits are the only thing <laughs> that we can concentrate on. Well, it's good to have all of you chaps uh, on the show. So like I said, uh, today the appeal uh, was finally heard uh, between Paul Elliott and uh, ESI 1. Uh, For want of uh, of better phrases, Uh, this was the appeal uh, of the decision not to award the injunction uh, to Paul Elliott to prevent the sale of uh, the club. Uh, to anyone, obviously Tom Sangard the main man in that picture Um, but today the appeal was heard and unfortunately if you're a Charlton fan it would seem because it adds another layer of complexity to the case is the appeal was granted and an injunction has been granted now preventing the sale of the club until uh, this uh, trial now to go on in November to decide who actually owns the club to sell it in the first place Uh, obviously that means that Currently, the transfer window will close in October, so that means if this does drag on that long, um, there will be no transfers. Unfortunately, if Chung will remain under the embargo in the situation we are in. Obviously, there is this rumour still going round that maybe Thomas Sangard has some sort of loophole uh, and uh, will find some way out of this situation without it dragging on uh, that long. In fact, he even told uh, Richard Corley Uh, that he's working with some smart people to figure out how he can make that happen as in the sale of the club without dealing with certain people um, and he's going to be at the game against Oncaster on Saturday. So maybe there's something going on in the background, but on the face of it, today's news was very bad news for Charlton supporters. So, as I said earlier, I spoke to Benji Nurik, a journalist who's uh, back in the country now covering the club. Uh, he was in the uh, court hearing uh, this afternoon and I asked him just to tell me a little bit more about what he understood happened during the court hearing.
6: Obviously, today was not the first court proceeding between Lex Dominus and Panorama Magic to decide what's going to happen. With Clinton Athletic, the first one obviously September first, and that that one saw Lex Dominus' attempt to get an injunction denied. But then they had the right; they they were given a week the next day to appeal, and now they've had their appeal, and they've been granted the injunction on appeal. Subject, not subject, but until a trial, which will be commencing supposedly on November the week of November twenty third. So, what this means in in at least in the eyes of the judgment today is that. Charlton Athletic can't be sold or e- the E Street Investments can't sell the shares that they own in Charlton Athletic to a third party until a trial decides who owns the football club. And obviously, we we don't know what that means yet for a Thomas Sandgard potential takeover. There's obviously rumors going around Twitter as 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 normal. But ultimately, today's decision means that the club can't be sold until they have the trial.
3: Yeah, I think we've all been aware of those rumors that, that that Thomas may have somehow found some sort of loophole or or, or some way to get around mm-hmm. this but if he hasn't this now basically means that the trials in November so that means mm-hmm. no sale until then, when the transfer window is closed, which is obviously difficult, exactly. difficult news for 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 Charlton fans. So, I mean, yeah. could you sort of give us an because you were in the courtroom today. Could you give us mm-hmm. maybe an oversight of roughly what the arguments were made that that were made by either side today?
6: So today, obviously, was the appeal. So Paul Chasty went first, representing Lex Dominus, and he essentially went through the entire case, very sort of similar arguments to what we saw last time, except. Uh, he essentially just called Judge Judge Pierce's decision the wrong decision, and said that there there was no evidence that uh, that a third party was about to to buy the club, and that was kind of the main sticking point of of Chasty's argument was that nowhere in Marion Mahale's evidence did he, nowhere in his testimony did did he provide any evidence that the club was about to uh... they didn't say anything about the state of play of the third party in terms of buying the club and so in the eyes of the court that meant that there wasn't anything oven ready as they at one point mentioned which which meant that the fate of the club they felt was going to be similar regardless because there was nothing concrete in regards to a third party buying the club in addition there was also the a big thing of marion Mahale's initial initial testimony was that the club was going to face severe consequences, including a points deduction, including possible expulsion from the league. But the fact is, the only, the only consequence that the club has faced so far is the transfer embargo. And obviously, things could get a lot worse very quickly. But at the moment, the only consequence they've faced so far is the transfer embargo, which, of course, has been, has been in place since January due to the actions of ESI originally. So that was a big part of Chasey's argument as well. And then, obviously, Lauren Creamer, again, represented the side of tanarana Magic, and was essentially explaining a lot of um, attempting to try to refute and to sort of fill the gaps that were left out by Mihail's testimony, and... So it, it, it always, I guess, to me, felt in some ways that she was on the defensive or that that side was on the defensive. And obviously they, they were trying to get the decision changed and Cream, and Lauren Creamer and the side of Panorama, Panorama Magic was just trying to keep the same decision. So in a way they were always defending, but it, it very much felt that she was sort of having to refute everything that was being said by Chasty and by... Um, and, and fill the gaps that were sort of left out by Marion Mihail's testimony, which, I mean, obviously is frustrating that it felt that the, that D's side was more prepared or felt that not necessarily more prepared in sort of a legal standpoint, but felt that they had their bases covered and it felt that they didn't necessarily have as many holes as there were in... Marion Mihail and the general testimony on the side of of uh, Lauren Creamer and Panorama Magic. So I think that was very frustrating. And obviously Lauren Creamer brought up uh, Steve Gallan's testimony, where he talks about how there's a clear link between the um, the football effects of of this of this, uh, of this uh, injunction and the economic effects of the injunction. You know, the team can't bring in players. Obviously, the ten players have left. He said, and only two have brought in. I mean, that's a crazy. That's a there's a crazy raid. Most clubs can't can't properly survive on that, and obviously academy players are going to be have to be, are, are being used, and there's a limit on terms of squad spots. So that was an argument that was sort of new today because Steve Gallen's testimony was only really talked about today. But ultimately, I think what it really came down to is that the court decided that they didn't see any 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 necessary reason that the situation would change whether an injunction was in place or not, and that potentially i mean who who knows what would have happened had it 's easy to speculate about various different outcomes, but they seem to feel that if something was obvious and if there was clearly a deal in place then then an injunction potentially would have impacted the situation because then it would have potentially stopped a sale but they felt that the evidence didn't show didn't show that that it would impact the the club in a huge way, and that obviously is their opinion based on the evidence that they're seeing. But I also think what is frustrating is just that this has sort of hung in the air for a long time, and the EFL have kind of let it just play out. And obviously, I can't say exactly how they should be doing things because. I'm not part of the EFL, but it um, it's frustrating that they let it last 41 days in between the the initial rejection of Paul Elliott and Chris Farnell's applications on August 7th, and now and had there had the, Paul Elliott been. Rejected again, then I think there's really no doubt that they wouldn't have had much case for an injunction, and that was another another big argument that Chasty made, and a big argument that I think resonated with the court heavily, both courts, including Judge Pierce's, where obviously Panorama Panorama Magic were successful, was that Marion was that Marion Mahale said said that said that 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 Paul Elliott had failed the EFL's test and therefore couldn't be owner of Charlton Athletic, but that is not necessarily accurate because Paul Elliott can appeal and and as Chasty said in his testimony in his uh, sorry in his argument. Paul Elliot did appeal, so that isn't a finite, concrete thing. And it was—it seemed like it was being called a, a very concrete. This will happen in Marianne Mahale's testimony, but that just. Wasn't the court clearly felt that that wasn't the case, and that was a big part of Chasty's argument that wasn't as present in the first uh in Judge Pierce's, but still was something that Judge Pierce criticized, and something that Lauren Creamer in the initial first ca- first uh hearing with with Judge Pierce, Lauren Creamer actually had to apologize for that specific thing. So I think that was something else that was a big part of Chasty's arguments today.
3: So thanks very much to Benji for giving us a load down there. I mean, it's such Tom, it's so complicated, and I've said it on this show quite a few times recently that I didn't come into covering Charlton you know as a hobby for uh, you know to 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 think I'd have to need a bloody law degree I only really want to be talking about football but once again that's not the case at the top of a, of a Charlton live show it is it feels like very bad news tom
4: yeah yeah it does and uh I said when we got relegated um it felt it felt like more than relegation and that was why it really hurt and I think it felt like that because there was so much uncertainty about the ownership. We didn't know where things were going. We didn't know what was going to happen to the club. We didn't even know if we were going to have a club the next day. Um, and that's been going on since since ESI took over, really. That concern has been there, but we've managed to find a way to kind of battle on. And Boya, beyond all belief, ended up staying. And obviously we started this season with a couple of wins. And you're just waiting for for that break, something to go our way, because because it doesn't look like it, it's going to. Um, and then obviously the other week with the initial hearing, it seemed like um, things had gone our way and, and even Bowyer referenced it and said, you know, after that Tuesday, I thought everything was done. And then even Thomas Sangard's positive news has, ju- has just been going on and he seems to think it's going to be okay. And I think we've all been, and maybe I think this is the word I used on Sunday that we've all been so desperate for it to happen that you're just clinging on to any, any part of the good news. And, so when the tweets came out that just said the injunction had been granted and what the implications of that are, as you say, I don't have a law degree either. I don't fully understand that bit. But what I do know is that with any form of ESI, Paul Elliott, Farnell, any of these these people who've clearly not got any best interests of the club at heart, we're in big trouble. Um, and and until that's resolved, I, I don't see a way out of it for, for Charlton. And the questions you ask now, if if the injunction is has been granted and the club can't be sold and the embargo stays, now what does Boya think? Does he reassess? Does Jacko reassess? Players, you'd imagine, if they can't sign, that you know we're going to lose out on that. And it's not just about this season. I can accept a mid-table finish if it was just down to that. But what really worries me is the future of the club, and and that feels very much up in the air at the moment.
3: Yeah, Nathan, that, that, that's one of the things I guess is, is is back to that question that we had a little while ago is, well, what's the situation now with, with the money? You know, do, do, does the money start to run out? Because, you know, I mean, Richard, again, he mentioned it. There's, uh, you know, you're hoping for sell-ons for players like, I don't know, Carlin Grant or, uh, or Joe Gomez probably won't move, but play, players who we may have sell-on agreements for. But if they don't move or if, or if, they, if they don't come in, then... How long can the club try and stay self-sufficient? With the fact that obviously there's been players who've had their wages deferred and we and other ways they've been cost cutting and not spending money recently. How long will that go on before actually we're we're in big trouble again?
2: Yeah, I'm. I mean, I mean Tom hit it on the head really about uh, having a law degree. I mean, I've made it clear on it. It's just got boring the whole thing and just even this. The, the legal things made it even more confusing. And like you said about the money th- side of things, he's not even the blooming donut and even passed, he still ain't passed the owner's director's test, I assume, unless I've missed that. but So it's like, well, how if he's not fit to run a club, he's still here, we're still going to have the embargo. Um, I just don't really know where it's going to come from. I mean, Thomas has put, you know, he said that he put money in an escrow account. Um, I I assume because I haven't seen it that Paul Elliott's done anything of the sort. Um, but yeah, if there's if there's no money coming in, especially with you know no fans coming in. I mean I know you've got you've got some fans going on Saturday, but they're already pre that money's already in the bank so to speak. Really, you ain't gonna have any walk-ups, and you might have a little bit of I don't well I don't even know if 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 the food and drink I doubt that's going to be open. I might be wrong, but even if that, that's going to be minimal. Um, so like you say, the sustainability is is the concern, and I just don't really know where we go from here, and Tom said again, the main concern, which I said last Thursday, was the playing side, if this, if we don't get the players in, which, what was it, I think there was rumours going around, a six or seven signing, but I guarantee you, they ain't going to wait until November, because they've they got, they got to look after themselves, and make them sustainable as people, so um, it's worrying, <laughs> it's worrying, and it's not just about... You know, football's a game and we want to win every game and we want to be competitive. But like Tom said, if you ain't got a club, you ain't going to be playing any games. And I know that sounds really, really negative. But I mean, at the moment, that's the only thing that's like going through my head at the moment. So I don't really know where it stands. I know it's, what is it, November or something? But I don't, for me now, my next thing is, is Boy going to stay? Because his hands are tired. It's like, what can he do? Um, but yeah, there's just so many sort of Situations and so many concerns that you, you just want to get it sorted because it's just been going on for so long. But yeah, it's it's, it's worrying, mate.
3: Yeah, well, but Bay has stayed this long, so I mean, I haven't had don't feel like he's he's ready to walk away or anything like that. But you are still concerned about what happens next, and you know, and Richard just just mentioned the EFL now will not comment. You know, we know that the the appeal for Elliot's owners and directors test is still yet to go through. So, you know, are the EFL sort of sitting on their hands waiting to see what happens with this court case before they make that decision because they don't want to look silly by approving someone who then can't buy the club? And the same with Sandguard. You know, there's there's so much confusion in terms of that going on, Lewis, that you don't really know what to ex- what's, what to expect next. Um, and, and you fear for, you know it doesn't feel like the people involved in this are that bothered about what happens with, with the club in the short term, because obviously like we say, this is now going to drag on beyond the, the transfer window. So again, if, if this injunction, you know, if all of a sudden the next court case it's decided that Paul Elliott does own the club, I mean, that doesn't exactly fill you with a warm, uh, with, with a warm fuzzy feeling as well, does it?
5: Well, not at all, especially given the, the record of people that have failed an owners and directors test is, you can probably count them on one hand and I think they all have probably had their application submitted by us. So that that alone is a worry. The fact that this court case now is going to drag on as you say for another couple of months past the the uh window for for new players as well. Is when we've got the squad that we do is a massive concern and going back to Boya, really I I think that that's going to be a a huge sort of swaying factor as to whether he he you know decides to move on from this because he said so many a times, he's been doing this role with, with both hands tied behind his back, effectively for such a long time. And with all these players set to sign and, and sort of in the background that they're signing because of Lee Boer. And And if he can't get those people over the line because of the obstacles that are in our way, because of this delay, then there's going to be a real cause for concern because there's no way that the squad we have at the moment... Yes, we have we have good players on paper, but once you have a couple of injuries, which we know our track record with injuries isn't great anyway, we're gonna really struggle to put a side out. And as Nave touched on there, the big concern now is when when does it all run out? When you know, with the money at the moment, we don't know where the funds are coming from to, to see the club through to to the end of this month even, through October as well. There's gonna be growing concerns of administration, which will come with a points penalty, which is another hurdle for Lee Bowyer to get over so it's really concerning at the moment and I think that's, something's got to happen and I think all of us are keeping our fingers crossed um, that something can be done away from this, this courtroom drama but we've said so many times now I can't see the EFL taking any responsibility for something when it's sort of in other people's hands and they're not going to want to put their name against something and rubber stamp it if they could be leaving themselves open to sort of legal ridicule and, and having a case against them from, from Lex Dominus as well so there's there's a hell of a lot to sort of go through at the moment. I feel like you need a, a law degree to understand what's going on in SE7 these days. And it, today was a, a real blow for, for all of us. And all we can hope for is a speedy resolution. But I don't think, given the way it's panned out so far, I don't think that's going to be the case.
3: Yeah, it's a really, really tough one to to get your head around. So, I mean, Tom, just briefly, then we, we have mentioned, obviously, Thomas Sangard, the rumours of... This loophole or something. He's still he's still very vocal on Twitter, even this evening. Um, you know, asking people to change their profile picture to the Charlton uh, badge uh, to try and show that uh, they they're, they're, they're still on on his side as such. Um, you know, t- telling people he's still very confident. He's not not remotely uh, lost hope. He's going to be at the game uh, against Doncaster on Saturday. You know, I mean, we've been in this situation now where. You know, Tom, Thomas had hoped to get the deal over the line in in the next few days. For the last three weeks now, so I get, I guess, people's confidence on that front is probably going to start to falter, even if Thomas's hasn't. But it, it really, it really feels like it's almost last chance saloon if we're going to be competitive this season, and it, and it has to happen soon.
4: Yeah, I think proof will be in the in the pudding, um, and and that's the same with. Any of these owners, you remember when Elliot first took over in inverted commas and put that statement out on the club website and we did a show and we all said, well, I don't really care what he's saying on the club website. I want to see what he does as an owner. Um, and we've, we've seen how that's ended up. So it's the same for Sangard, who I, I don't put in that same category of, of people by any stretch at all. Um, I haven't met him yet, but the way that he comes across, I think, and the way he's communicated to, to lots of people, he seems like the the one hope that we have. But even with someone like him, proof will be if and when he does get his hands on the club, which we all still hope he does, it's then about what he does once he's in charge. And it's the same for any of them. Um, and I think what the, the court case is showing at the moment is just that the people who do pertain to be owners or have some sort of stake or something to lose or some sort of grip over the club... Don't care about it in the slightest, and and that's what's the most frustrating. And you talk about on the pitch, and I, I to a certain extent, I do agree. I think we, if we don't get signings over the line, we're going to be in trouble on the pitch this season. I don't necessarily think relegation unless we get administration as well. Um, but it, as I say, to, to me, I almost almost I'm not fussed what happens on the pitch at the moment because I'm more worried about the fact that there might not be a club at all, as as Nave said earlier, and. If you haven't got a club, I, you know. Obviously, the, there's nothing happening on the pitch anyway. So, the idea of winning or losing a football match almost pales into insignificance. Again, something I said on Twitter earlier. You know, I'm lucky enough to have got a ticket for Saturday's uh, trial game against Doncaster. Obviously, I can't wait to go. Can't wait to be back at the Valley and see the team. But at the same time, that whole game, I'm just going to be thinking, well, it doesn't. It doesn't really matter whether we win or lose here because the bigger picture at stake here is whether we still have a club to support in a week or two. And I don't know because I don't know enough about the legal aspects. I don't know if that's a possibility or not, but from the way people are talking, it's obviously not good news. Um, And it's going to be a rocky couple of months again, uh, just another couple of months on what's already been a rocky, well, however many years you want to call it really, it's probably since Roland started owning the club. Um, so, yeah, that's my, my head's a bit all over the place with it all at the moment. I'm still trying to kind of take today in and, and work out what it means. But I'm very, very worried about the future of the club, um, both on and off the pitch.
3: Yeah, certainly uh, starting to get to a, a lot of people. I actually uh, put the message out for asking people how they're feeling um, you know, at the moment in time, Will Bolland says you need to breathe in and breathe out. Remember, it's always darkest before the dawn. Paul Turner uh, was just sent a gif of uh, Jim Carrey looking like he's about to throw up. So obviously not too good. A couple of people asking if we could get Sangard on this evening. I've, I haven't been, uh, I've been, I've been too busy today to even uh, start trying to ask around for that. But um, uh, he, he did speak to Richard uh, on Twitter. If you wanted, if you wanted to see that, we also had an email from Steve Hearn he says looks like we'll just have to write this season off the Thomas Sangard miracle is slowly fading and I'm seeing, I am seeing a fair bit amongst the supporters of people who are getting frustrated with the fact it still hasn't gone over the line and starting to have doubts and questions and obviously I think that's only natural with all the, the disappointment we've had over the last few weeks but you know Thomas yeah, to, for him he still, he still seems positive and I guess that's something to, to cling on to but you know, I, I'm sure everyone is just sitting there just worried about what's going to happen next. Anyway I think we've covered that subject, let's have a quick break Let's talk about some football when we come back here on Charlton Live. It's a big match preview. Wow.
0: Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness.
3: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks,
1: the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cullen, trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across, Bowers there, pierces there, with a header. and it's done! <laughs> yes, oh, it's his, Oh, it's oh, 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 Patrick Barr! You absolute German
3: beauty. Woo! Dreamland.
1: Charlotte has gone! With seconds remaining! We've done it too! Get it. Come on! What a time Let's to be here! Here, right? here at Wembley! Oh my word! Oh my word!
3: Charlton Live. Well, welcome back to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview. As we heard at the top of the show, the uh, the highlights from the game uh, over at London Stadium on Tuesday night. Uh, we were roundly beaten in the end, Naf, by West Ham United. But uh, as as Terry said, that the, the score line didn't really tell the whole story. You know, we were we started off a decent little spell of possession. Went went a, a couple of goals down in in uh, I think twenty two or twenty six minutes around that around that part. Uh, as uh, Sebastian Haller got two. I, I did want to see the first goal again, which I haven't had a chance to see a proper replay because it did look offside. But, you know, we, we went 2-0 down. But we actually ended that that first half quite strongly and then came out really well in the second period. Had a, a number of chances. Uh, Chuksenike and Johnny Williams perhaps should have uh, halved the deficit. And then it was just a, a late one added by Anderson late on. Uh, for West Ham that gave the scoreline a bit of gloss but overall you know going into a game against a a Premier League side who made 10 changes but still had a very strong side out there um, I thought it was a a, a performance to be proud of from the lads
2: Yeah of course I mean obviously London Derby you want to win it Um, but I mean if in hand on heart you know did we think we were going to win it well I didn't um, and you know Sebastian Haller who scored the first two in quick succession would, would he go West Ham for near enough 45 million it's about the same that Roland wanted for the club so um, it's a difficult one really but I mean I mean, yeah you can't really expect them to go out and do something but Bo said they look nervous um, in the game and as you can expect like Dylan played his first game Um but I mean, by all accounts, you know, in the second half, they they put they got a bit more comfortable on the ball and looked a bit more. Um, what's the word? You know, but a bit more. It had a, a bit, bit, more bit more purpose to him, and yeah. they obviously showed well. And but you've got you know you got it was the uh, the Felipe Anderson. I mean, come on, players like that. They've got a great squad. They're just not obviously doing it in the Premier League. And obviously, you could see Josh back. I still think he should be above Mark Noble. in... In in West Ham's team, I was speaking to my West Ham mate the other day, and he's saying that he hopes that he gets a chance. But it was a free hit for us, and and um, by you know we weren't disgraced by the sound of Bowyer.
3: Yeah, no, we uh we, we 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 weren't too bad in the game, Tom uh, or, or Lewis. Actually, I'll, I'll bring you in at this point because you know there were certainly some standout performances. I mean, first of all, we should talk about that 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 um, de- debutant Dylan Levitt from Man United, Lewis. Um, Bo said looked a bit nervy but he did start to spray the ball around a little you know as the game wore on what did you what did you make of his first appearance in a Charlton shirt
5: yeah I was impressed with him I thought um Bo was right in what he said he he looked a little bit nervous at the start um you forget how young he is really but once he sort of found his game a little bit um as you say he was he was playing decent passes in he looked comfortable in the midfield um and you think there's a lot of young lads in that side really that can take no shame from that at all. I think they they competed in stages. I think we looked like we could have scored um, a goal or two in the second half. I thought Chucks made a real difference when he came on as well. Um, and again, Charlie Barker just has to take the plaudits for me. I thought he was fantastic again. Bearing in mind the sort of caliber of player he's coming up against at 17 years of age. You know, he, he's only made his league debut um, a couple of days prior to that, and you're looking at him coming up against Sebastian Haller, Felipe Anderson. Manuel Lanzini, you know these are players that are, have got plenty of Premier League appearances under their belts and this is a boy who's just come through um, the Youth Academy as a, as a scholar and is, and is really impressing and he's done himself no harm whatsoever um, and overall as you say, you're right I think that the scoreline flattered West Ham completely um, we need to be a little bit more clinical when it comes to our chances um, but we've been saying that for quite a few seasons now to be fair let alone the opposition Um and I was yeah, I was impressed. We can take some pride from it. It'll be a great experience for some of the lads. But ultimately, I think especially given the situation we're in at the moment um, off the field and with the squad we have as well, I think going out of the cup competitions early, although we never want to lose a game, it's not the worst news in the world. I think we've got to focus on keeping that squad fit to compete in the league. And I think anything in the cup is going to come secondary this season.
3: Yeah, especially after uh, it was it was Hull who scraped through against Leeds on penalties, so that would have been a pretty boring next round game. Uh, anyway, Tom, it was a big forty five minutes from from Chucks and Ek when he came on. Lee Bayer said afterwards uh, that if Chooks uh, could keep himself fit, he wouldn't be playing in League One. Um, I mean, th- this is a big season for him, in my opinion. Uh, you know, he's already got already got a goal uh, uh, over in the uh, the League Cup game at Swindon, um, and like we say, if, if he is going to be an in- impact player from the bench, so be it. But you know, with, with Lyle Taylor gone and obviously Mack Mac is still hopefully going to be scoring a few goals it turned a bit down for him um, hopefully this will be a big season for Chooks
4: Yeah, like you say, not just hopefully, I think it's going to have to be it's it's a shame that he can't play more minutes um, and you think of the start of last season uh, obviously at home to Stoke uh, away at Reading in particular very strong performances and we thought we had a bit of a player there and then injuries obviously let him down but I think he's come back and I've only seen him in the flesh at the Swindon game this season but he looked in, in much better shape, uh, looked a little bit more trimmed down, a little bit leaner, um, obviously took his goal well with a lovely turn and, and finish although keeper might have expected to do a little bit better there and, and I thought he, he was impressive again the other night and I think it might be the case that we have to rely on him off the bench but you, you know, we're going to need those players in games because there are going to be horrible games in, in this league where there are teams, you know, because we're a, a big fish at, at this level, irrespective of the the actual squad that we've we've managed to put together at the moment. And I think there are going to be teams, especially when they come to the Valley, are going to park a lot of men behind the ball and soak up a lot of pressure and we're going to have to try and break them down. So we're going to have to look for options off the bench. You know, players like if Boyer can get over his, his hatred of Albie Morgan, then uh, maybe bringing him in for his creativity. People like Chucks, who again give a different option going forwards, We're going to need to be able to try different things like that. And as you say, it's a shame you can't stay fit. I I quite like the idea of Bond through the middle with two players wide. So like the likes of Johnny Williams, uh, Washington, Alfie, those sort of players. Um, But I think Enike comes on and gives us a, a different dynamic up there. And yeah, obviously I'd like to see him play more minutes. But if he can come on at 60, 70, 70 minutes and have the impact that he's started to have so far, then... He could be a really important player for us, and I think he should be targeting probably getting to double figures as well this season.
3: Yeah, certainly. Obviously, Naeve. I don't think we've really spoken enough about how well Alfie Doughty played on uh, on Tuesday night as well. Again, an, another really lively player, probably our most dangerous in the first half. Um, you know, we, we've read in, in in the in the Scottish press that we've turned down bids for him from Celtic, um, hoping that we'll be able to keep on to him. But you can see that the way he started this season, you can you can see why he's getting. Interest from uh, from from slightly higher up the football pyramid.
2: Yeah, no, of course. I think if you cast your mind back, I think there was a game where me and you went to Bromley, and he played. He didn't have an amazing game. He played okay. Um, and if you look back, then did you ever? Well, did I ever envisage him doing as well he has? No way. Um, I mean, even when he first came in, don't you...
3: try and put words in my mouth. I <laughs> I, I, I'm a football visionary <laughs> like that. <so. laughs>
2: but you could see he had the, you know, you could see he had raw talent, and. Um, uh, but the thing for me, as he's played more games, he's, he's obviously getting better. I think there's certain elements of his decision making last year, um, which probably let him down in some games, which you expect. You know, he's still learning, he's still very young, he's still very raw. But um, obviously, from what he's, he's he's had a good start so far, and the games he's had, he's played really well. So, but I think it, it, trying to take trying to turn a negative into a positive is the situation at the moment. And as you look at the players in and around the team, even if you look at the you know like James Venins and not saying they're going to be obviously first starters, but they know they they get a chance, um, and we haven't really got much choice. But uh, with yeah, with Alfie, he's done so well, and he's played in so many the positions. He's played as wing back, he's played probably come left back. He's, he's an attacking player. He gives us something different, and I think in playing on that left in a more of attacking that it probably suits him a little bit more. But but again, it's it's. It's hard because you don't want to burn him out, but the, similar to Chucks, you know, we probably want to try and manage him a bit more um, and not expect him to play every game. But Bose ain't really got a choice and um, I think it just tests the resolve of the club, um, whoever makes these decisions now, is just to hold the nerve and try and not let um, let him go because he's still learning um, and I think he can learn a lot more under Bose.
3: Yeah, I think we have to have another court case to work out who gets to make that decision <laughs> yeah, at the moment. But anyway, uh, we had an email in from Adam Cassidy as well. Uh, he said he's looking forward to fans being allowed back into the Valley this weekend. Uh, it's fantastic news and a positive step forward. Uh, the team will no doubt feel their presence. Sing loud and sing proud. Let them know you're there. Come on, you Reds. Uh, then Adam says, uh, Chotten put up a decent fight against a ludicrously expensive West Ham side that provided our youngsters with some priceless experience. I'm not disappointed about the result as the league has to be our top priority. Cullen, again, Prove what a fantastic young British player he is. Uh, West Ham will be mad not to utilise his talents. The boy is class. Today's court case was a disaster. Hopefully you have uh, time to fit that one in. Yeah, we do, Adam. Uh, Obviously, we've uh, spoken about that at the top of the show. Excellent email. Cheers for that, Adam. Right, let's hear from Lee And Then he did uh, come and speak to the press over Zoom after the game over at West Ham. And he said he was reasonably proud of the display that his side put in.
7: Yeah, I think... um... Second half, especially, I think uh, the first half looked we really nervous. Uh, 90% of our passes were going backwards. They were all so afraid of giving the ball away that it became a lot of like, negative play, you know. Half um, time, I had a word with them and said, Look, believe, like you can play. And um, second half, I thought, Tell me if I'm wrong, but I just said to the players, I thought we was the better side. I thought we, we looked the most dangerous. We looked like we was going to score more than what they did. Um, the only thing that that we was lacking, I, I would say, is that final pass, that final finish. You, again, that's that's what you pay for, though. <laughs> so they get that that chance at the end there, and then it kills the game. But. For large parts of that second half, I thought we, we looked the better side and looked like the team that was going to score next.
3: Is so it just that, that, that Premier League quality that told in the end, then, do you think, this evening?
7: Yeah, because they get a chance and they take it. Or they get into a dangerous area in that final third and they, they pick out the right person and they make the right decision. That's what costs money. So um, they've got some good players in and around the box, they've got a lot of good footballers. And um, that that was the difference, you know. They,
3: they made the right decisions in the final third, and, and we we lack that quality. Tonight will certainly go down as a great experience, though, for some of the, some of the youngsters, like, like Dylan on it, on his debut, and Charlie again who's he, cramping up at the end there, but he was he's impressed. And um, I mean Alfie Doughty as well, you know, a player who's got huge potential. I thought he was very good this evening as well.
7: I should been listening to what I've just been speaking to the players because I've just said exactly that. I said, like, you young lads, if anything, you've got to take this as a learning curve. Like, you've played against these players and, and you see what it takes, what they do. And, and this is what we need to do as, as young players is, is to, to improve. And, and they should take a lot away from that. Like Charlie, I said, that I'm playing against premiership centre, uh, centre forwards. 99% of them players will play in the Premiership this season. So they should all take something from it. Young Dylan, again, I think he started a little bit nervy, but you could see what he, he can bring to us. It's going to take him a little bit to settle in. I did I did say that. Um, Alfie, like you said, he, he caused them problems. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of positives to take from tonight. Ignore the result, like, ignore the 3 0 scoreline. It shouldn't really have been anyway. I think we we should have we deserve to score a goal. I think our performance, especially the second half, we deserve to get a goal.
3: You try and take some 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 of those positives into the into the the, the game on Saturday. I guess obviously playing against a Premier League team is it can be quite tiring and, and take a lot out of a, a small squad. But you've got a few days to turn around for that Doncaster game now.
7: Yeah, they'll have rest tomorrow um, and I said to him, like, ignore the score, the most important thing is Saturday. We're, we're at home and we'll be ready. We'll be ready and that's why I took Pratley off, that's why I took Johnny Williams off, that's why I took Macker off at half-time. Looking at the bigger picture, you know, Macker done nothing wrong and he was a bit disappointed that he came off and rightly so because he never done nothing wrong. But I've got to look at the bigger picture. I don't have... A lot of players. Did I want to take Prattley off? No, I didn't. I wanted to take Alfie off because I was thinking, like, he looked a threat all night. But again, i Johnny Williams, I, I know his record. I know the way he is. I have to look after him. So I could have took Ozzy off as well. There's loads of them that I could have took off, but. Uh, The most important thing for me now is is getting them ready for Saturday, and we will. Our preparation will be spot.
3: Space on the right-hand side for Alfie Doughty now in the penalty area. This is a pews chance for the Alex, and it's Alfie Doughty who puts Charlton into the lead with a calm left-footed finish. It was a wonderful fall through to the youngster, and he pulled it in onto his left foot and slides it beyond the goalkeeper. It's crew, Alexandra Neal, Charlton Athletic 1.
1: Charlton Live.
3: Welcome back to Charlton Live, the big match preview and, uh, well, absolutely brilliant news as we heard in the email there from Adam that fans can finally be back at the Valley. Uh, a test event was is granted very late notice and I have to say the club have clearly done 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 brilliantly there to get that on because of the ten sides that were granted the permission to have these test events well three of them have pulled out since so yeah the the, the uh approval came quite late from the government slash the the efl but you know Charlton and one of those teams have clearly done their homework and uh, so well done to all the staff behind the scenes and i'm sure all the fans who have got tickets are extremely grateful um we're lucky that we've got a couple on the call so tom and lewis are both going to be there saturday lewis is going to be strange i guess it's going to be an unusual one because obviously there will be only a thousand there it's going to be well slightly more than some of the checker trade trophy games we've played but it's going to be a weird atmosphere but it's just great just that we're going to have some atmosphere back in the stadium
5: a hundred percent and great for people as well that have managed to get tickets and you know, i feel very lucky that i'll get to be there it'd be great to see great to see the lads live again you know it's been it's been tough and i think people probably under I'll never take for granted again really how much I appreciate going to watch my football club at a weekend because you you blow off so much steam from you know your everyday life stresses at the football um and I'm yeah I feel very grateful to be going back and it's a real you know huge well done to everybody at the club that's managed to turn it around in the short space of time that they that they were given to do so because I imagine that the protocols in place are take a lot of planning and, and to get a seating plan set up that's that's COVID secure and everything would have taken a hell of a lot of time. So they deserve a huge, you know, a huge amount of credit for getting this getting this ahead and, and making it possible. I think it's a it's a a fitting time to go back as well, you know, against Doncaster. We we all know what happened the last time we played them there. There was slightly more than a thousand people in the stadium at the time. But it'll be great. And I think after this week as well, you know, Boja and and the and the players probably will be feeling a little bit deflated after today. So any kind of boost for them will be great going into this game, and I think having, albeit a minimal amount of fans in the stadium, it's still going to make a huge difference. And I'm I'm really looking forward to getting back and and seeing the inside of the valley because I think I've I've been outside it a few times in lockdown, but it'll be great to get back inside.
3: Well, did did you ever have any? Uh... Any concerns, Tom? Before you book your ticket, you know, were, were there any worries about going back and being in a crowd again? Obviously, the fact that that Nathan has to stay in quarantine is, is one thing off your mind. But uh, did, was there anything that that that, that made you second force Was there anything that the club have said that made you think, "No, this will this will be well organised. I'm going to I'm going to be happy that they've looked after our, our
4: needs here." Uh, none of that, really. It, it might be naive, but none of it even crossed my mind. The moment there was an opportunity to go back. Um, I was like, well, I'm going to do it. And I've been to to a couple of, of things and even things like when you go to the pub, when they reopened, I've seen how much effort has to go into arranging things um, to make things COVID friendly and secure and with all the new guidelines and everything. And look, we all know, and we've all been around the club a long time. You know that they'll have put the groundwork in to make it very, very safe. Um and no, like I say, call me naive, but I hadn't worried about it uh, particularly. Um, but it, it's obviously they need to get it right, and it's going to be it's going to have implications across the whole football league because obviously the whole point of it it's as it says it's a trial event. So they are going to be taking the information from events like this and working out whether more fans can come back and. Obviously, Boya, as he said, can't wait to have fans back. Um, it's going to be a weird atmosphere, as you say, because everyone's going to be spread out and there's not going to be many of us there. But I think to be part of that and hopefully to to try and get more fans back into the ground is the most important thing. But no, I'm not worried at all. I, I think that the staff there will, will do a brilliant job. Um, it was very easy to do. You can see that the seats are going to be segregated. So I'll probably be sat miles away from anybody anyway, um, which will be weird Especially if a goal goes in at the last minute and you want to run down to the front and celebrate, and then some steward has to tell you to stay back or whatever. So it's going to be a very odd experience, I think. But I'm looking forward to it, and just getting back to the valley will be nice because it's a sense of normality, and that's the part of the club that we want to be talking about a bit more often, don't we, at the moment? And unfortunately, we can't. So yeah, I'm looking forward to going back.
3: Yeah, Nathan, how much of a boost do you reckon it will be for the for the team? You know, obviously there won't be any away fans, so. Uh, will be the the only ones making any any form of atmosphere, even if there is a, a thousand people dotted around. Um, uh, do, do you think that will play play a big part in the performance on Saturday?
2: Uh, it can do. It can. Um, I think it's obviously nice, even though, since they come back, it'd be a nice change to have some sort of atmosphere. It probably ain't going to be at the higher end of the decibel meter, if you want to call it that, but. Um, yeah, I think it'll be a nice change for the players, even come out for a warm-up, just to have some sort of interaction with two metres away or whatever it is. Um, I think it'll be, like Tom said, It's some sense of normality coming back into it and you could try and try and use that to say, well, this is the start, hopefully it can get better and things will get back to normal. So, there ain't no away fans. I, I don't think they'd bring much anyway, Doncaster, did they? So, um, I think it'll be good for the players. It'd be be nice nice to see some faces in and around the, the club.
3: Excellent stuff. Right, let's have a look to ahead to the game itself then. Um Doncaster Rovers coming down to the valley. Obviously, Cholton on the back of their opening day uh win at Crew Alexandra. Donny um were shared a one-all draw with Milton Keynes last week. Obviously, we know about them a couple of years ago. Very good side, they've gone through a number of changes. Uh, since then it, it, it's a tough one isn't it Tom at this early stage in the season it's quite hard to
4: really gauge a, a level for an opponent um, I'm not really sure to be honest with you because as you say they're a team that we've obviously come up against a, a fair amount over some big games over the last few years but there's been a lot of turnover of players and, and that sort of thing so it's a difficult one really um, I know that obviously they as you said there they they got their draw with Milton Keynes and um, and it's just so early on in the season, really, to work out what a team is all about. You think back to last season, um, we obviously beat Blackburn on the opening day. You look at where they finished compared to us. We obviously then beat Stoke at home and then went away to them later on in the season and got and got trounced by almost a, com- a completely different side, not in terms of personnel, but the way they played. So, yeah, it's a really difficult one. I think from a, looking at it from a chart perspective, I'm expecting us to hopefully be on the front foot a little bit more obviously being back at home even without fans i think would be a bonus but to have some fans in the ground we've really got to try and harness that because like Nate says there's not going to be a huge atmosphere you know he's not going to be down there singing his heart out for us um so it is going to be weird i don't know if the drummer will be in as one of the tickets for example or whether he can even bring it so it's going to be a strange atmosphere but if they can harness any of it then then that might help as well um and, and as I say, really, it's so early on in the season, it's just about figuring out where we are as a club more than who we're playing and the opposition. But having said that, I'm sure boyer will have done his homework. He'll know what to expect and, and he'll get them ready. Um, uh, it's the difficult thing really is that we still played a fairly strong side on Tuesday night and we obviously can't rotate a lot. Um, and it's too early in the season, I think, to be worrying about players getting tired. But the longer that this goes on with the small squad we've got, that's something we're going to have to think about because with the shortened season as it is, games are just going to keep coming thick and fast, aren't they? So it'll be interesting to see who he selects and how, is, how he manages the side over the game. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's one I would expect, and I said it last time we were down in this league, I, I would expect us to go out and give any team in this division a, a good run for their money. Um, and I'd probably back us as, as the favourite in the majority of games. That might be wrong. But that's the way I see the games at this level because I think we we should be pushing for the the top six places for definite.
3: Mm, Yeah, do you reckon there's a chance for Dylan Levitt, Nathan Saturday? Obviously, he got his debut um, against West Ham. um, Play in in midweek. You know, there's there's uh, potential. You know, if Prattley goes back into the midfield and Charlie into the defence, I should say, then Charlie Barker maybe. We get the, uh, get the day off and, and then we could sort of work around that and, and put Levit in that midfield. There's, there's a tiny, tiny bit of room for manoeuvre uh, for Boya to play with.
2: Yeah, I think so. I, I think Jake and Alex would probably go straight in, I would imagine. Um, and then I would imagine it would probably be maybe Ozzy or Johnny um, to go above them in as a three. But... It wouldn't surprise me if Levitt does come in, but he did I think he played ninety on Tuesday, didn't he? So, um I think looking at the the game on Tuesday it was quite obvious the 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 people he was gonna start. Um I think like Tom said, I think um we probably will be the favourites. Uh I thought MK were unfortunate not to win. I think they got a late goal, didn't they? And um I looked at it on when was I looking at it? Wednesday. It was at, apart from Sunderland, I think Sunderland had like seventy odd percent possession and twenty odd shots and Drew one all late. But um MK Don's had sixty five percent of possession and ten more shots than Donny. So I think we probably will be the favourites and I think with Levitt in there he, he gives us that little bit of that little bit of another dimension. You can either play him at home and he gets on the ball a lot more or even if you protect protecting a lead, you know, he's not gonna lose the ball very well you know, very often. Um, you know obviously Nicky Buttson is one of the greatest passers that they had and in the sort of Man United at uh, the sort of youth level Um, so it'll be interesting how he plays out but looking at the 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 people that played on Tuesday I'd be surprised if he does start Um, but if he you know if he doesn't there's like we've got he's going to get games it's not like we've got a massive squad as everyone knows so if it's not this weekend uh, you know he'll get loads of games this season and um, he's, but he's he's still he's still you know he hasn't been away from Man United, so he's still got to bed in and get get used to what we want him to do and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting how how Bo lines up.
3: Yeah, and I, I guess one more question there is, is is do we think Johnny Williams starts because obviously he um he, he didn't at at Crew, um, but you know we, we've we've seen him getting more minutes a, again as 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 the weeks progress. So is is he one of those players that we're only going to ever throw on, from the bench these days, or is he is he going to get the chance to start as well?
5: I think he deserves a chance to start. Um, whether whether Bo will want to line up the same way he started at at Crew last weekend remains to be seen. I think you know Bon had a fairly decent game last Saturday. Chucks when he came on as well. Um, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how how he lines up and and obviously with Johnny's injury record as well. I think Bowe said um, before really you, you've got to look after him. He's got to, he's always thinking. You know, with but with Johnny and with Chuck's really that you've got to take into account their injury records and that they wouldn't be playing at this level if if they were if they were fitter, you know, and they and they didn't have such bad luck with injury. So it would be interesting to see if if Johnny does get a start. You know, I've been impressed with with Aussie as well. Um, whether he would maybe start the game and then and then Johnny would come on in the second half. Um, but it's just where he where he would fit into that mid, in the midfield at the moment. I mean, Alfie's been playing further forward. Um, on the left wing we've been sort of looking a bit more um, flat in the midfield with with um, with Albie and uh, George has been playing quite a bit as well and it, it just depends really where we can where we can get him in and whether he does see him at the moment as more of an impact because if you're a tiring League One defender at late in the second half and you've got someone with a pace and, and skill of Johnny Williams coming on at you it's going to be an immediate threat and I think it's just a case of watching his condition really and seeing how he takes because he hasn't played a lot of football really when you think about it and he had a lot of last season out as well so I'd love to see him in the starting 11 because I think he's going to be a really important player for us this year and, and he has been over the last couple of seasons since he's come in but unfortunately with Johnny he does come with that tag that his injuries can can hamper his progress a little bit and and his consistency within the side so we'll have to see how it goes but I'd like to see him start I think it'd be a positive move if he did
3: excellent stuff well right, let's uh, have some predictions then as we come to the end of the show so I want you guys to go in order I want Tom Nathan then Lewis give us your quick fire predictions 3-1 Charlton
5: 2-0 Charlton Three one Charlton.
3: Lovely stuff. Another clean sweep. And when we had one last week, you're all correct that we went on to win the game. I think Tom got the score exactly correct last week, so excellent stuff. Right, we've come uh, to the end of this week's big match preview. Just uh, uh, you know, we had some sad news actually during the week. On a pass, my condolences on to the family of uh, Chris Thompson or Dr. Kish or Kets. You may have known him uh, as uh, who sadly passed away suddenly on uh, on Tuesday. Uh, used to chat with with with, uh, with Chris outside games quite a lot, and uh, many Charlton fans knew uh, who he was, and they'll be very sad uh, to hear of his passing. So our condolences to his friends uh, and his family. Uh, right, guys, uh, thanks uh, to Nathan, to Tom, and to Lewis for joining me on the show. Cheers, boys, cheers cheers, cheers. cheers, everyone. Cheers, guys. I've been Louis Mendes. Thank you for listening to Chaton Live, the big match preview. We'll be back with a podcast on Sunday to look back at the game against Doncaster, and we look forward to speaking to you then. See you later. Chatton Live. Chatton
4: Live. Chatton Live. Chatton Live. <laughs>